App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. It's Paul Kemp, and it's my pleasure to bring to you uh, guests from all around the world. And the reason I do that is because whatever you're doing right now, if, it, if you're running your own business as an indie app developer, or perhaps you're thinking about getting in the space of being an entrepreneur, solopreneur, and app development, whatever it is, you know, whatever stage, there's always something that can be offered by the guests that I get on the show. And so, it's with great pleasure that I've managed to get a, a session here with Will Shaker, William Shaker, and he can be found at williamshaker.com. That's williamshaker.com, so definitely go and check that out. It's a great website, and he's got just a terrific career. He's in New York at the moment and is a lot of different things. He does online dropship stuff and podcasting. So, William, really a warm welcome to you, and thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Hey, Paul, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. The honor is all ours. And uh, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about what attracted you to the online space, what it is you do, and, and also a little bit about yourself. Well, basically, Paul, what I do currently and what I used to do was I used to work for a company uh, called New Horizons, and I used to teach computer graphics, internet mar- internet. Um, not so much marketing. I was about to say internet marketing because I'm, I'm doing so much of that these days. Uh, it's kind of ingrained in me. But I used to teach uh, computer graphics, internet, uh, networking, et cetera, et cetera. And I lost my job in 2001. And I vowed never to work again for the rest of my life. So today, uh, up until up until today, I guess, recently, um, I've just been doing online marketing, e-commerce mostly, and I've been drop shipping with my websites um, and for a long time, I also had my own products, which I sold in-house. So these days, uh, basically running my online businesses, I'm writing a few books, and uh, I definitely am interested in app development. So when you do ask me to uh, to come on your show, I was interested in speaking to you and learning a little bit more from you as well. Yeah, sure. And this is a two-way, definitely a two-way show. And uh what would be interesting is, you know, this whole career you've had over the web, how have you seen your traffic change with regards to the primary device now being smartphones? Could you give us a sense of how many people that visit your sites and that are on smartphones? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily track how many people visit my websites on smartphones. I just make sure that the websites that develop are, are capable of being used on smartphones using the responsive themes for, let's just say, uh, WordPress or if I'm developing a website such as e-commerce, which is still pretty difficult to develop as a, as a responsive theme, um, I, try to, I, try to, I try as best as I can to develop a responsive uh, theme for it. Uh, but I'm thinking that overall about 25% of internet traffic is coming from mobile these days. Is that accurate? Do you think? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much on. I think 25-30%. Uh, we were, you know, a couple of years ago, we were hoping that it would be uh, in the region of 50%. And, but, but uh, you know, I think it would be great to kind of uh, bounce around what we think is happening with the market. Because m- me personally, I think when people go on a browser on their 
uh, phone that uh, they only go perhaps to trusted sites because uh, we all know the experience of going to a non-responsive website and it's just so frustrating to try and get you know manage manage your way through and and get to do what you want to uh, and so that's why we start to fall in love with apps and we know that apps can deliver you know what we actually need right right i, I think um it is very frustrating right now uh, because the you know phones can only get so big until they can't fit in your pocket anymore. Like the Samsung phones are so huge, but the iPhones are just are not caught up yet. But I'm sure they will with the iPhone six. Yeah, well, I mean that's a speculation of that. But yeah, clearly there's a lot of pressure on Apple to increase the size of their phones, which ironically would be mean them copying Samsung. <laughs> right, right. Whatever yeah. works, I guess. I mean, but as far as uh, as far as visiting websites and reading information on your phone with the iPhone I'm not sure if you're familiar but it is it's really not that frustrating if a website is still not uh responsive but I'm sure that it will become frustrating because more and more websites are starting to become responsive and the ones that are not are going to are, are going to fall behind eventually well, you know, we see your pain because let's let's talk about your business in, from the perspective of e-commerce e and the, the thing that I'm seeing with clients that run e-commerce sites is typically they have, like yourself, have, have grown up with the inter the internet being a desktop primarily. And so all the investment has gone into websites and then it's a case of getting that website uh, responsive. Um, when it comes to building a native app, uh, the less money goes into it because it's a bit of a risk and it is quite expensive uh, to get a native app done right now. Uh, and then it's really hard to get that native app to communicate with the uh, e-commerce site you know on the web and uh, unless you're like Amazon or some of these big big guys then it becomes either expensive or just challenging do you think that's a frustration for you in terms of thinking about you know native apps well actually uh, to be honest with you I, I, in my business since I have an xcard store um, the the xcard store has has a responsive theme built into it automatically and if you wanted to you can purchase a module I think it's about a hundred dollars and it's not necessarily an app, but if you use it from your smartphone, it will open up you know, a, a responsive theme for it. But it's completely different than what your website is. But as far as having an app for your website, I, I'm not sure in terms of like a pain point in my business. I'm not sure if that's going to make my business um, more profitable because I don't have thousands of thousands, like 60,000, 100,000, a million products such as Amazon. So for a huge website, I think that would do really well. But a, a website such as mine, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting to you know listen to your, uh, I guess, your response about you know from your perspective, um, because uh, we we often think that you know we, that users do get very accustomed to using these very popular apps like Amazon, eBay, and you know you just look through your your iPhone and, and you get very used to having very slick you know responses and. Um, um, right. It's not the same when you go on a responsive site. It's definitely a slightly inferior uh, solution right. at this stage. Right. I think I think the the problem that most e-commerce businesses are having right now is that their websites are not responsive. It's very simple to make a WordPress site responsive or any type of other site that is not e-commerce responsive. But when it comes to e-commerce websites, it's very very difficult. In some instances, I've seen websites that have two different versions of their websites. One that opens up specifically 
uh, on a mobile device that looks just like their own, but it's completely different, and then one that's made for desktop. And in that case, for a small business such as mine, who are not making ten million dollars a year, it can get very expensive and and you know server intensive on, in, in that respect. So maybe an app can be developed in that case because if if it's going to cost you another ten thousand to to develop uh, another website specifically for mobile, what if that app couldn't cost five thousand dollars? That would work well just for the mobile. So, but and then also, I mean, since you're an app developer, then you'd have to create it across all different types of Devices, is that yes, correct? that's right. That uh, Android and the Apple iPhone are the uh, primarily two smartphones that we were built for. They're two totally different operating systems. It's a little bit like the Mac and the uh, Windows, and so yeah, they would have to be. There are some cross-platform solutions, and actually, we've got. Um, I think on a future episode, I've managed to secure some guys that reckon they've built the WordPress for um, native apps, and uh, really excited to kind of. I guess get stuck into that because um, I think that's what we're, the market is crying out for—a need for uh, some kind of WordPress type solution for literally a native right. app. Right, right. I mean, uh, these days I'm I'm noticing that there are so many websites that are moving on to becoming responsive. But as far as e-commerce is concerned, I think e-commerce is still going to struggle for like another five years until we're starting to see a whole lot of sites becoming responsive. That's just my opinion. It's, it's probably going to take a little longer. Yeah, I'll, what I'll do is I'll put on the show notes. Uh, if you're listening, go to onemob.com and, and go to Will Shaker. And uh, on the episode, I'll put all this stuff on the show notes. One of the things we've just uh, had is the uh, one of the biggest analytics companies, Flurry for mobile, has come out with its uh, annual report. And I think it was quite staggering that the amount of time on a phone spent in a native app, that's an app that's downloaded from the App Store, uh, was huge compared to the time spent on a browser within the phone. And so I, I, I want to say it's 80%, 20%, um, but I'm going to check that with Flurry. But it's, it's certainly uh, where most of the time is spent on phones is within an app that is downloaded from the App Store. Wow, that's very interesting. I never knew that. I mean, I, I download apps from for my iPhone and I use them on a regular basis. So, yeah, I guess you could say you're right. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about it until I speak to an app guy. You know, how else am I going to find out? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe uh, we we hope that we're going through this transition stage. You know, clearly what's happening now is uh, if there's maybe an e-commerce transaction that you want to do, you know, that maybe you do go back to the desktop to, to actually make the purchases. I know that we spoke um, in a recent episode with um, uh, Neil Patel, who uh, runs um, you know a number of different things and and B two B, and he said that yeah, when there's an expensive transaction of over a thousand dollars plus, that there's no way that uh, those are going to actually be conducted with a phone. It's still desktop, definitely desktop. Right, right. Well, you know the thing is that I have the Amazon app and I have the eBay app, but I never use them. I like to go directly to the desktop or I like to go on my mobile phone and go directly to their website. I just don't like using the app for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, it's always hard, isn't it, to measure the market with our own habits, you know, for, yeah. ex for example, because, you know, I live in the app world and many of the people listening to this show do, then we, we try, you know, on purpose to live within uh, our phone. So, you know, using our phone for so much more than... Uh, than we, we are used to. And it's getting a lot easier now with um, all the cloud solutions and uh, the filing 
on Dropbox and Google Drive, and and the apps are getting so much better, so much better. Right. But yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, we we all we know is that uh, we like to be uh, in control on our smartphones wherever we may be, and our desktops are not as uh, you know as as close to us. Right. I, I agree with that. Yeah. What, what what's um what's getting you excited then with uh, your business right now? What are you uh, really focusing on? Right now, I'm focusing on launching two brand new e-commerce websites. Um, I I don't want to give away the names or anything like that because I'm waiting for a launch. So uh, that's that's really exciting for me. The other thing is that I'm I'm developing uh, an e-commerce A to Z type of program where I, I mean I get tons of people on a regular basis emailing me asking me questions and they're always interested in finding out how to create uh, an e-commerce store and find the products and dropship and all that stuff. So, you know, I have all these questions that they've asked me and like you like yourself, you know, you want to find out where the pain is in the marketplace. So, the the questions that are being asked of me, they there are the pain in the marketplace and I'm trying to develop a solution for it. So, that's really exciting for me right now because it's an online program I'm developing and uh I just love e-commerce, and it gives me great pleasure to teach people about it. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. So, you know, in one front, um, I have my e-commerce businesses. But on the other side, I have a business of teaching other people about how to develop a business. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword that works out. Like, everything works out on its own. So I'm really excited about that. You know, that's what I love doing about this podcast is uh, bringing all the uh, guests like they're trying to get a theme coming out of the podcast and so for example uh, Nate we had Nathan Barry on one of the earlier episodes and uh, he's into digital marketing he used to be an app developer and then switched to uh, marketing digital products Uh, and uh, he was uh, talking about the importance of teaching as the new marketing effectively you know big uh, thing about teaching uh, to effectively market Uh, and also he was um, really adamant about the proper launch sequence so perhaps you can give us an idea without giving away the product but how would you actually go through a launch and what what steps do you take to have maximum impact on a launch right well i haven't really began the launch process but um i actually you mentioned neil patel before and i've had him on my show so i learned quite a lot from him and i check out his blog on a regular basis uh, so I, you know, he's a very interesting guy, and um, we learned a lot from one another. And one thing I learned from him was, uh, you know, this is not necessarily a launch, but it can be used for a launch process. And we talked about the two hundred, uh, God, what was it called? Oh, two hundred outreach program. So, like, let's just say, for instance, that you're interested in launching an e-commerce website, like I am, and you know, you want to find two hundred Twitter followers, two hundred Facebook. Uh, fan pages. You want to find 200 websites that are similar to the products that you're selling to the type of website that you have. 200 of this, 200 of that. Well, you're going to get everything and put it in an Excel spreadsheet. Maybe you can hire somebody from... from uh... And of course, I'll give you the details when we get off. Uh, so this way, if you wanted to post it on the, on the blog post uh, for uh, this, this, uh, this conversation, you can go ahead oh, and do great. that. But yeah... Um, but I'll spare you the details. But I'll, you know, you can you can put that on the blog afterwards. Okay. So so the the whole thing is that you're contacting these people to to see if they're interested in promoting your website for you. So that's part of the launch process. And um, 
that's one of the things that I, I'm, I'm interested in doing. And the other thing is that, you know, of course you have, you have uh, Facebook these days, so Facebook marketing is definitely one. Uh, creating your Facebook fan page, that's another thing. I mean, I'm not an expert when it comes to marketing. Trust me, I'm far from an expert when it comes to marketing, but um, I, I do have my marketing plan. And God, I wish I had it here with me, but I'm just not prepared for that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, actually, well, I was thinking, I, I used to, um, s several years ago, I was really into e-commerce and uh, building the uh, the websites that would ultimately uh, sell these products. And I decided to focus on high margin stuff. And what I was finding is that it was really challenging to get the uh, user, the, the buyer, to actually buy on the website. There was uh, having to run these um, phones and a call center um, because they, you know, maybe it's because it was the UK, but uh, they would typically phone up and then have a little chat and then eventually put the order in over the phone with a credit card or a debit card. Is that... Is that fair to say that the higher up the product is, that the more likelihood is that they're going to buy that over the phone rather than on the site? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Now it doesn't. That doesn't. Uh, it's not a hundred percent accurate. I mean, sorry, not accurate. It's not a hundred percent true all the time. Uh, however, the higher price the product, the more customers are interested in calling, finding out if you're a real business. Um, like as an example. I sold sunglasses uh, for a very, very long time. Customers that wanted to purchase, let's, let's just say, three or four dozen, and their orders would be somewhere around $100 or $50, those customers would never call me. But the customers that wanted to spend at least $1,000, $2,000, or $800, those customers would call and ask some really ridiculous questions. Um, some of these questions were, how long have you been in business? Is your, is your shopping cart safe? You know, these customers want to make sure that they already know the answers because these answers are already posted on your website. They just want to call and find out if you're a real person, number one, and if you're a legit business. And they're looking to find out what your attitude is like. Because if your attitude sucks on the phone, even if they ask you ridiculous questions, they're going to feel, they're going to feel like you're not going to be able to support them and your business is really shoddy. So absolutely, I agree that the more expensive your products are, the more calls and the more customer service you're going to end up doing. So if anybody out there is interested in starting up an e-commerce business, just realize that the higher-end products are going to need a lot more customer service than, let's just say, a $100 or $200 product. So it's best to stay somewhere around the $100 to $300 range when it comes to average ticket uh, sales for your business if you're not interested in being behind the phone all day long or providing a lot of customer service, especially if you want to be a digital nomad these days and travel around the world and have a high-frequency website. So that's just my take on it. Yeah, I was uh, almost thinking that you know, indie app developers also have the option, of course, of setting up uh, an app that would actually sell products, and uh, maybe that could be the differentiator, you know, to compete with some of these big brands that uh, perhaps don't have their own apps. So, for example, sunglasses. I think I ended up setting up a sun. I didn't do very well with my website uh, on sunglasses, and uh, but, but uh, it was a few years ago now. Uh, what are, one of the things I do remember from selling is that there was a real backlash sometimes from the manufacturers. And I just wondered if you had experienced that with um, the manual. So this, this is what happened to me. I was selling um, wood burning stoves and uh, the, the wood burning stoves were sold for uh, on average about 1000 to 1500 pounds. And 
the manufacturer did not like us selling their stoves because they had agreements in place with all the distributors who had set up these showrooms and spent a lot of money on the showrooms and they had these contractual obligations split by geography and they, they did not like the idea of the internet um, coming in and undercutting the uh, retailers. Is that something you've experienced? Um, I haven't really experienced that, to be honest, but I, I definitely see that as being realistic. And sometimes custom, co companies will definitely do that. Manufacturers will do that. Yeah, because there could be a lot of traffic there for purchases through an app. Because remember that, you know, the app stores are effectively search engines as well. You know, Google Play and uh, Apple App Store. And there are people going on there and, and perhaps searching for uh, particular things outside of Google. Um, you know, how important is Google to you nowadays? Google? <laughs> well, Google used to be very, very important to me uh, until I lost my business. So, you know, we haven't really gotten into that. That's the part that you said that uh, uh, people should check out Entrepreneur on Fire to learn my entire story. But uh, since you asked this question, maybe I'll just give a little detail about it. Uh, so in, in 2001, like I said, I started. And in 2010, Google completely smashed my websites, meaning that they had the Penguin and Panda updates, and as a result of that, my businesses were were getting absolutely no traffic from Google, and I lost everything. So I ended up having to sell a lot of my e-commerce websites, hence why I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is starting up additional e-commerce websites and uh, starting up an e-commerce podcast, which I haven't mentioned, but I'm doing now. So um, Google is very instrumental in any business. However, I don't put all of my eggs in one basket anymore like I used to. These days I'm diversifying with a lot of different things and I'm not really paying attention to the big G as much as possible. If the big G wants to send me a lot of traffic, then then I'm happy. But if not, I'm not depending on them. So hopefully that answers your question. You no, know, it, I think we could learn a lot from your experience there because what is happening now with apps is something that happened with websites perhaps 10 years ago where there's a lot of manipulation of the app stores. It's very important to get to the uh, top of the app stores to get any decent uh, downloads on your, on your app. Wow. Uh, and so the whole thing's called, uh, I don't know if you've heard of uh, App Store Optimization, ASO, App Store Optimization. But we, we had a guest on, uh, Gabriel Macheret, who was an expert in this field, and was just giving us uh, some clues about how Apple do it, and it's kind of a little bit backward, and, and obviously how Google, uh, we think we, they do it. Um, but the, you know, he feels that we are in this period where it's a little bit like the emerging SEO that started to come out, you know, in the, the 2008, 2009, perhaps. Wow, that's interesting. I haven't really heard of that because mm. I, I, I don't have any apps. I'm definitely interested in creating apps for my businesses in the future or perhaps creating an app business on the side. But I've never heard of that. But I can only imagine because, you know, these days you can pay anybody to leave you a message uh, on your app or on your podcast, but I mean that's ridiculous. But you can definitely do that. So that's that's manipulation right there. I mean, I, I can definitely see where this is realistic. Well, the whole thing came out, and I've I've said this before in the podcast. So I won't spend too much time on it. But the the whole thing came out with Flappy Bird, and what happened is Apple for the first time uh, banned anybody from uh, it submitting an app to the App Store that had the word Flappy in it. And what this said to us is that uh, they have no way of controlling internally the algorithm that searches for uh, apps. So what was happening is you were typing in Flappy Bird, you know, into the app store and you were getting like 2,000, 3,000 odd clones of games 
and uh, some of these uh, that were doing really well uh, because they happened to get to the top of the app store and so they just banned um, the submission of Flappy Bird ra rather than Google where, whereas Google can manipulate the algorithm and, and uh, downgrade the, uh, the you know the ratings uh, through its algorithm Wow that's very interesting never knew that I can't wait to get into the online I can't wait to get into the app world uh, it's it's actually a great thing that we're talking so we'll definitely keep in touch and hopefully uh, you can answer some of my really ridiculous app questions in the future <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have a fun before we say goodbye I mean we always seem to ask we'd love to ask guests it is the app guy podcast you know what uh, uh, phone do you carry and what, what are uh, one or two of your favorite apps well I have the iPhone 5c because I found that the iPhone 5s is quite ridiculous in price. So I was like, "What? Why do I need that?" So I got the five C, and uh, the apps that I carry right now are are not that much actually. I probably have like maybe two dozen apps, but the ones that I mostly use is uh, an app called Waze, which is uh, a a uh, GPS map. I love that app. Um, I use Pandora. I use the podcast app, which I listen to other podcasts, uh, Spotify, and I have. Another app which I use on a on a regular basis every single day. It's called Headspace. Have you heard of no, that? No, I haven't. No. Okay, Headspace is a meditation app, and um, you're you're in the UK, I'm assuming, correct? Yes. Okay, so this guy is based out of the UK. He's actually a monk, and uh, he was a monk, I think, a former monk, and he created this app called Headspace along with the website. So every day he has unique. Uh, unique meditations, guided meditations, and uh, I did. I, I downloaded his app because I saw a review of it, and uh, it's t it's free for ten days. And then, if you want to continue with it, you have to pay seventy nine dollars, and you get a subscription for an entire year's worth of of daily guided meditations. And I'm seeing a, a pretty good improvement. So, uh, I, I probably this is probably one of my favorite apps right now. Well, William, look, what we'd like to do on the show is uh, you qualify as, as a guest. You qualify for my app that I built in conjunction with a, a former guest, and it's a meditation app. And uh, it's for sale in the App Store, but we'll send you across a promotion code since you're giving up your valuable time. And uh, it's a meditation app that uh, is for iPhones. And so, uh, oh, yeah, that's it's awesome. called, yeah, Meditation for Beginners. So, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe you're a little bit more advanced, but you should, you should check it out and I'll send you the promo code. Thank you. <laughs> a little unintended uh, perk there for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> How best can we uh, connect and reach out with you? What's the best way? Well, uh, I can be found at the portal, which is williamshaker.com. And I would love to connect with your listeners at williamshaker.com slash Facebook, which is my fan page, and williamshaker.com slash Twitter. Those are redirect links. And if anybody out there is interested in e-commerce, learning more about it, um, let me know how I can support you. Let me know how I can help you. If you have any questions, please email me from my website. And uh, that's basically it. So, uh, Will Shaker, thanks for coming on the App Guide podcast. We you know, appreciate your time and would love to get you back on at some point. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast. <laughs>